So before we get started, Didi and I realised that we didn't explain what the main topic of our chat is in the show. It's our first one. Um, in it, we're going to talk about benevolent sexism, which is a term we hadn't really heard about before, but it's definitely worth exploring because it's a form of sexism which appears really positive and for all the right reasons, but can actually be damaging to people and gender equality more broadly. So we think it's a really good topic to have a chat about. It explores the idea that women need to be protected by men and actually how that affects careers. And here is a disclaimer. All views and opinions are our own in this podcast. And we will keep the swearing at a minimum and we will try to avoid politics. If you're listening to this after October 2020, please check out our YouTube channel for other recorded content as well. So you can uh, search for Ladies Hacking Society and you will find us. Thanks for listening, everybody, and enjoy the show. If you really like it, tell all your friends. Hello, and welcome to the Ladies Hacking Society podcast. Um, I'm Helen. I'm the chapter support manager for the Ladies Hacking Society, and I look after the comms. Uh, I've been around since the beginning, but you probably haven't heard from me yet. Um, and we've got Dee Dee. Dee Dee's here. Hello. I'm Dee or Dee Dee. Um, I'm the London Ladies of Hacking Society uh, chapter lead. Yeah, that's a bit of an exclusive here on that podcast. But yeah, Dee Dee is our Ladies of London Hacking Society chapter lead. And it's great to have you here. And um, we've got a new format. So I know you're all used to hearing from Eliza, Barb's and Kate and Stephen. Um, we're going to mix it up. We've got four chapters in the UK now, which is phenomenal. We've got Ladies of Norwich. We've got Neela, so the Ladies of Northeast Hacking Society. We've got the Ladies of Cheltenham and we've got Ladies of London. And we're going to make sure that all of our chapter leads have the opportunities to get on some of their favourite guests, their cyber heroes, um, and I interview um, lots of um, people in the cybersecurity industry to bring you some really exciting content. So be prepared to hear from lots of different voices in the coming weeks, but we're super excited to relaunch today. Um, and that kind of brings me on to our topic and the people that we've got on with us. Um, today, we're super excited to have Cyber Royalty with us today. Can you guess who it is yet? We've got the fabulous, the Cyber Warrior Princesses, award-winning CISO Becky Pinkle, <laughs> and magnificent Cyber Bane. Hello. <laughs> I've just, I've put my crown on. That's Dr. Cyber Bane's. That's Dr. Cyber Bane's. Dr. Cyber Bane's. I don't know. It just sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Dr. Cyber Bane's. <laughs> like a kind of cartoon villain. Yeah, exactly. I would I'm definitely rolling out of the A&E if you show up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I'm just so pleased that you've got the jibe in with with Becky quite early about being the award winning oh, Shut it, Vicky. <laughs> oh, oh, <that's> nasty. Oh. <laughs> Can only apologise for my friend's behaviour. It's true, though, isn't it? Straight in there, award winning. Oh, jeez, Louise. All right, yeah. moving right along. Nothing to see here. Moving along. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're just delighted to have you here. Actually, no, we're thank you for having us. We're super yeah, chuffed really to be cool. here. Thank you so much for yeah for reaching out. It's brilliant to get to participate with you guys. Yeah, it's really cool. And so, one of the things that we were going to talk about today is a little bit about a new term that we'd heard. It was called um, benevolent sexism, and it struck me because I'm a huge fan of the Cyber Warrior Princess podcasts. Um, so you know, you, you you have a fan, you've met her. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's we, it. We reckon we we reckon we've only got about six or seven, so you're a sizable proportion of the size, fan population. It's a solid <laughs> seven now for sure. <laughs> anyway. So I kind of heard on your podcasts how you both of you and also the rather fabulous uh, Dr. Jessica Barker that you're really are like the token women speakers at so many conferences and that you get invited on to talk on panels and that and that really it's just it's a commonality of, of uh, only a handful of women that get invited on um, and it just struck me because one of the one of our members Leanne 
who is a cracking Yorkshire lass, um, she posted a link in our Slack channel to an article um, about benevolent sexism. Um, and when I read this comic strip, because it's wonderful illustrations, it occurred to me that I had no idea what benevolent sexism is. But then when I, rec when I looked through the comic strip, I kind of recognised some of the actions that had happened and that they'd happened to me. And so I just kind of thought, really, um, if it's something that we could talk about, which is what is benevolent sexism? Have you experienced it? And actually, how do you think we can overcome these biases? Because if I'd never heard of it, but it's something that's supposed to be happening to women, then how is how are so many other people who might or might not have heard about it supposed to react to it as well? So do you know what I think? I, I think we might not have heard about it before it might not have had a name before but i bet it was a feeling that you recognized yes and yeah. when i and when i read through the comic strip i don't know about you but i kind of got a bit of a gut feeling here which was oh yeah yeah so that's that feeling of discomfort that i've had or the feeling that i might have been having the wool pulled over my eyes a little bit in in the working world um, and the feeling that I had to conform to a particular type of behaviour in order to get ahead. And, and you know, it, it, it's lovely to be able to name it in a way because then it becomes a thing that we have to do something about rather than just, oh, well, people are being kind and considerate. And, and I have actually that, that was in Emma's comic strip that I, I recognized as, you know, two or three or five or six different real life experiences. But the one about holding doors open for people is a really good test, I think. Um, yes, I like to hold doors open for people because everybody's an individual. You know, if, if someone's there, you open the door for them. It's the kind thing to do. But this idea that it's the chivalrous or the gallant thing for a guy to do for a woman. Yeah. It's traditional, but it's outdated. And if you want to test whether somebody is being benevolently sexist towards you, I think this is a really good test. Because I've had times when um, someone at work or even, you know, just getting on and off a plane, traveling, whatever, when, you know... Um, somebody has insisted on, you know, clicking their heels and standing to one side to let me pass, you know, and all of this and make a big show of it. If you then say, actually, thank you, but I don't do that. You can judge by your reaction, whether this person is benevolently sexist or not. This guy <laughs> is benevolently sexist or not. So I've had, I've, I remember distinctly one guy when I said to him, do you know what? Thanks very much, but I don't do that. He, he actually went a bit livid with me and, and I was the problem. You know, oh, I was only trying to be nice. How dare you? Blah, 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 blah. And I thought, oh, okay. This was all about you being a guy and me being a woman. Understood. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to work with him. But I also have a friend who I was managing at the time. And so at work, he did it once. And I said to him, do you know what? We don't do that. I'm not doing that. And he took it and he learned and he didn't do it anymore. And we've become very firm friends since. So if you can confront the situation and say, do you know what, this makes me feel a bit weird because it's 2020 and we don't need to do this anymore. Then you can kind of tell whether you're going to have an equal relationship with that person or not, or, or whether they're going to um, insist on at being benevolent towards you and 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 treat you as the softer person, you know, in the room. I think. Oh, sorry, I was just going to add. I think sometimes, though, um, only because I have thought a lot about this because I've had a lot of doors open for me, and I'm like, okay, this is just weird. Like nine times out of ten, I'm either the same height as you or taller than you, probably wearing the same exact clothes from the same exact retailer as you because I'm all about, you know, I love my dude clothes, and um, it just it's just weird. It's like so you're just opening the door for me for what reason you know so mm. i've had a lot of time to think about this and um the thing that i've wondered is uh, like i know coming from texas anyway it people are taught and they grow up culturally with this concept of 
it's the right thing to do. It's like the Southern, you know, polite, you know, you take care. And it 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 is evolved into now this this name that got attached. What was it, 1996, I think the article said, was one set of research, and then the next set of research was a few years later. Yes. But so it's been, you know, in the last 20, 30 years. And the evolution, I guess, of that, yeah, into benevolent sex. That to me is the fascinating part. So for anyone like myself that also had never seen this or heard of this concept until you guys shared the article around, which by the way, thank you. Like I said, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I think it's something that if you grew up with that, you definitely don't understand it. And you don't understand that concept. And I think, you know, Vic, that's what it sounds like you're running into where people are getting seriously pissed off, you know, is they've got no understanding, they've done no sort of evaluation of what it means and how it's interpreted. And they're just getting pissed off. You know, they're thinking, hey, I'm trying to be polite and you're not taking my politeness because that's how I've been taught and clearly you've not been taught well. <laughs> right, yeah, no, exactly. And it's, um, and you know, we're not, I'm not suggesting for a second that the egalitarian thing to do is to slam a door in somebody's face. No, <laughs> we're all equal. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> there you go. On your own You're on your own. You know, it's not that. It's just that, you know, there was, a, I've been in situations where I've held a door open for a guy and he's gone, no, no, after you. And you, I, think, no, you have a little actually, dance, don't you? You end up having course. this little dance in the dance, uh, in, like in the doorway of, but I'm here and I can open it for you. And it's, it's awkward. Yeah. And it's like, well, I, I'm, you know, we could wrestle. That would be unfortunate. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can win it a thumb war. But you, oh, oh, now that's, do they do thumb wars in, in the US? Yeah, spec? of course. Or is this a specific? No, we do. Because I sometimes think there are things that the UK is still good at. No, yeah. we're all about, we're all about a thumb war. One, two, three, four. I declare a thumb war all thumb over war. it. Oh, nice. Even the same rhyme. <laughs> so, oh. so I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the highbrow sociological conversation, if you don't mind. Well, um, if we must, and... if we must. I, you know, I like to be seen to be the person that does that. Um, and, and, and I think what I'm getting at with that door opening thing is that when in certain circumstances, in certain working environments, with certain guys, perhaps, if you challenge their expectations and the expectations that are put on you as a woman in the workplace, if you generally decide that you're not going to conform, it's amazing how quickly that benevolent sexism can become something a bit nastier. Yeah, this, mm. is, what, this is what I was thinking, of, particularly around this example around, around the doorway, because it almost sounds like what we're saying is don't, don't hold doors open, where actually it's, the, it's a kind thing to do and it's a nice thing to do. And if you're at the doorway first, open it. I think we're trying to say that section a little bit of difference between doing it for gallant reasons or doing it because you were just at the door first and it's yeah. the polite thing to do for everybody, exactly. isn't well, it? I, yes, and, but I also think there's a larger, the door conversation of this is overshadowing the larger part of the whole benevolent sexism thing that really um, struck a chord with me. And it was the bit around how the woman is seen as having the feminine motherly nurturing characteristics and so where there might be a role for example and I think the example in the cartoon was you know look we need someone to help um, with the uh, intrapersonal sort of you know conflict that we're having on this team you know we think you'll be great no 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 you're not going to manage the team but you'll help with their daily tasks and you know make sure that they all get along basically and yeah. and that was yeah. something that really struck a chord with me because I could definitely see you know that happening at times in my own career um I, I think and Vic and I've talked about this on one of our own podcasts in the past I think I've had different experiences because I do relate differently but we had this whole conversation right where I always say that men meet me and they look at me and they're like whoa you know do you go in my man bucket my dude friend bucket or do you go in my you know like friend uh, my girl you know, like woman, men are from Mars, women are from Venus bucket. And um, I think nine times out of 10, they stick me in the dude bucket. And so I think a lot of times mm. I have a different experience than a um, straight appearing or straight woman would have in a work environment um, with a straight man. 
And I'm just, I'm intrigued by that whole side of it. But like I said, I have had that whole nurturing thing. Oh, well, because you're a woman, regardless of your sexuality or my attraction to you, you must therefore be more nurturing. And I'm going to then put you in my mother category. And since I've had kids, that's really something that, that I've seen a lot more of as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think that comic strip and, and I would encourage, you know, all of your listeners to go and have a look at it because there is so it hits so many bases. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, when the woman decides she's going to be a bit more assertive to get things done, she's then told she's arrogant, which I, I was actually told in a job interview that I was a prime example of British arrogance, which is fantastic. <laughs> oh, um, and, 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 you know, when, when we do take that stri- slightly stronger line, if you like, we're not a team player or we're ungracious or we're ambitious or we're bossy, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's as long as we conform to type. Yeah as being the caring, cooperative one, the nice person that gets everybody to work together and be nice. Mm. Um, no problem, because we're fulfilling the role that, you know, genetically and biblically we were, so, we were supposed to fulfill. Mm. Um, but if we want to be like the guys, we're problematic. We're, an, you know, at worst case, we're an aberration. And then we become the problem that has to be done something about. And then it got me thinking, I wonder if we actually don't help ourselves sometimes in this situation, because if you think about all of those um, papers that talk about women in the workplace, and certainly until quite recently, part of the argumentation for for getting women into a team was, oh, well, you need um, diversity in a team because women are more cooperative Mm -hmm. and they foster cooperation. That may be true, but it implies that we're not allowed to be alpha females we're not allowed to be the best threat analyst in the room we're not allowed to be the leader we have to be the person who gets everybody working together mm-hmm. so i think there's there's a next step isn't there now that we've identified benevolent sexism there's a next step which is okay knowing everything that we know now how do we then really get an inclusive environment for women to progress in their careers and not just be the person that makes everybody feel yeah, good? absolutely absolutely I have that question. Uh, how can we be both at the same time? Like, I really do care about the people around me. So I am really nurturing. But I also want to be known with my work as well. So how do we get that balance? Oh, I think it's a difficult one, right? So, uh, so I would like to think that the more of us who lead that way, the more acceptable it becomes. Um, and on my pessimistic days, I think, well, look, I've been in this environment nearly 20 years and I'm still quite frustrated, you yeah. know, that there hasn't been the progress that we want. But I suppose all we can do as individuals is is lead by example. And I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, how, how, you know, kick-ass are we all if we are fostering and you know creating a a really great team environment and showing real leadership and being the best threat analyst in the room you know these are kind of that's a superhuman package and and maybe that's why it's sometimes quite intimidating to some people yeah i think it's one of the reasons why i like the comic strip so much because it was a much more accessible way to kind of illustrate that uh you know what benevolent sexism is and so even though when you think you might be doing the right thing actually it's probably not helpful to the whole equality issue and paving the way forward um i did some i did did do a little bit of research before we came onto this podcast um and one of the interesting stats that i found actually was from the world economic forum's global gender gap report in 2020 and they have predicted that it's actually going to take 99 and a half years to close the gender gap between <coughs> Oh, I saw something similar. Yeah, I, I saw something earlier, actually, I read, and it said 200 years. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> so, so I, I think these small steps and these little little ripples help because some little ripples, big waves roll. But it is about getting that message out there and those practical tips, I think, practical ways to say, women do speak up um yeah and men it's okay if you don't open the door 
you know, 99 and a half is quite specific, isn't it? It sounds quite scientific, which makes me think, <laughs> what are we going to do for that first six months? <laughs> Demand they well, open the door. clearly we're going to get on a podcast and chat about it because i mean we're women you know i i've got my knitting in my hand i hope you guys have as well because that's clearly what we're expected to do so i think i'm gonna demand to be cryogenically frozen so that i can be around for that first six months when we've got you know equality that would be cool there's this doddery old woman going i used to be a victim of gender inequality you know Back in the day. <laughs> well, I, I definitely think, you know, we, we, we obviously have had huge strides that have been made and we, we have, oh, this is a great time, right? Let's bring up, let's bring up Ruth Bader, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, look at the, the lovely lady herself and, um, you know, may she rest in power, Absolutely. as I, I've seen them saying. And um, there's someone that is a living, breathing example of having made significant contribution that led to huge change, you know, for women uh, in the U.S. and, and globally, you yeah. know. With Lots of different... social causes, wasn't it, that she's, uh, her legislation's Ab- impacted? Absolutely, absolutely. And she, um, what was it, she was one of, I can't remember, was it six, seven people into law school and, you know, had um, a, a law professor tell her at the time, tell the women, you know, how does it feel knowing that you've taken the seat of uh, yeah. a man that was supposed just, to be here? Justify your reasoning for being here. Yeah. And so, you know, for someone who went through that yeah. and, you know, in her lifetime, she was 87 when she died. Yeah. You know, so we're talking 60 years ago. And um, that is an immense amount of change in 60 years. So I definitely think that we have to look at it with that lens. Although saying that, it certainly makes 99 years seem not that far away, I guess, when you look at it in that context. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> women in the UK would have only had the vote for 200 years at that point. So, yeah, that's know, just short yeah. history, short history. It really is, I think, when you put it in that sort of context, isn't it? It's easy for us to sit here in our, you know, few decades on this planet that we have between us. And uh, to think about that is such a significant period of time. But yeah, when we look at literally the hundreds of years of history that came prior and the role that women have had through that time and the different fights and different battles for equality that have transpired over those decades and hundreds of years... And the <laughs> progress and then the setbacks as well. Um, I think the 200 or the 99 and a half, you know, becomes significantly less time in that context. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's really struck me about um, the quite justified veneration of, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the, the last few days has been the fact that it seems to me she's being as celebrated as much as she is quite you know quite rightly because of of her record and and all the incredible achievements but also somehow that she's seen as being even more exceptional because she was a woman Mm. and I think again we need to we need to have you know a further impetus to meaningful change because we need to be in a place you know um back to your point Helen about the kind of the 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 cyber women celebrities we need to be in a place where people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, women like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, are not exceptional. Yes. Are not, you know, celebrated for somehow being freakish because they did all of this despite being a woman. Yeah. You know, we, we need to be in a place where um, where Beck and I and all the other kind of cyber celebrity speakers are being outnumbered by all the other women in the industry. Yeah, Absolutely. We're not just being put up as, oh, we've got to have a woman on the panel. So let's get, you know, let's yeah. get Vic or let's get Becky Pinkard in. No, that's we, it. We too, need too. to be kind of flooded. We need to have a, a you know, a kind of a, a, a huge pool of women that we can choose from um, to do these things and be visible and be heard. And I want this to no longer be an exceptional thing. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's the same thing, like, um, again, we've talked about previously, I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast, but I know we certainly talked about it in person, but it's the same thing with like the women awards, right? So where there's awards mm-hmm. for the, you know, um, for example, I, I got security champion of the year. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but it was woman security champion of the yeah. year, you know? And then Oh, I didn't realize that. Back. Yeah, it was women in IT awards. This was 2016. And oh, right. um, this was women in IT. And the only reason I remember that is because it's like, the one award I have in my office um, <laughs> now that I have an office again. Um, but yeah, so it, it, um, it, to me at the time it was bittersweet because it was like, well, so what I've won an award. Yay. For how many, what's the percentage of women in our industry now? You know, so it's, <laughs> What is that like, Dina? Eliza goes mad, doesn't she? Yeah. Whenever she gets um, oh, a tweet, they're really funny. Dee Dee. Yeah. <laughs> we are also biased against ourselves. We, many of us still women, we dismiss ourselves because we are uh, brought up with some values that are outdated now. And that's why probably we still need these safe spaces for some time until we get that assertiveness out of us and in front. Like, that's one of the best things I got from Ladies of London Hidden Society. I came to the safe space. I saw people being themselves and I felt like myself and I felt valued just being myself. And it gave me the power to speak up, to have my own opinions. And the more and more I hear the stories from other women and other minorities, I realized my biases as well, uh, the privileges I have as a white woman against um, a black woman, for example. There's just so many things to untackle, I think. Yeah. That's a really good point, actually, because, you know, when we were talking about benevolent sexism and the way in which women are expected to be modest, you know, and there's that there's that old um, scenario, isn't there, of, um, you know, that if if um, you're in a situation where you're being given credit for something, you know, if you're the kind of person who will say, oh, well, it wasn't just me, it was a team effort. Mm -hmm you know, then, you, then you're then you not going to be as noticed as much as the person who says, well, thanks very much. Yes, that was all my, all my own work. Yeah. You I, know. Yeah. And we've all been in yeah. situations where other people have, you know, taken that credit. So, yeah, I'm, I think that's absolutely right, Didi. Until we get to the point where we are standing up for ourselves and saying, do you know what? That was me. Thanks very much. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, we, we need those safe spaces still, don't we? Definitely, I think I'm still. I'm definitely one of those people that is uh, adjusting, if you like, to those mindsets, mm. and I don't mind admitting it. Um, you know, not really knowing what benevolent sexism was at first, and then that uncomfortable feeling that you were talking about before, Vix, and then the the just just the ways in which because I am a collaborator, it's one of the brilliant things. Uh, it, it's one of the strengths that I bring to many roles is that I will go mm. and I will collaborate and I, I, I use my strengths to bring out strengths in other people. Um, so it's very easy for me to use we instead of I. And I've been yes. told off about it so much uh, in some of my other careers. And so I, it, it, it's now a conscious choice, you know, when you're doing your CV, when when you're, um, you know, thinking about what it is that, that your achievements have been. I, you know, I, I go through it again. I'll write something and then I'll scrub out the we and I'm like, you've got to put I. And I do it. But I think that's... <laughs> that's the great part though is that you've learned to make the yeah. conscious decision right i think it's where women again have grown up and they've been taught and they've learned and all the social mores around it mean that you don't take credit what you make yourself smaller you know i mean i grew up basically being told don't take up too much space yeah. you know you literally told cross your legs you know sit back don't you know and, and, and even now, like when you go on to um, the tube and stuff and people make fun of it, right? There's like a whole Facebook site out there dedicated to um, guys who spread their legs too wide on the tube, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, and it, 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 it's in a way, it, it's that ability though to make the conscious decision around that and recognize that. And I think, Dita, what you were saying a while ago as well around, you know, going to the Ladies of London Hacking Society or any of the, the Hacking Society meetups now, 
and being able to be in that safe space and get the opportunity to learn about some of these concepts. Because I think, again, despite all of the fantasticness with the ability to network around social media, you don't get those kind of conversations where you learn some of these things and you truly are learning from your elders almost, you know? So you're learning from the women who have been there, who've been through, whether or not they're actually older than you, but you know, they've been there, they've had the experience, they've learned something and they're okay to stand up and talk about it. And then you reap that benefit and then you get to take that away for yourself. And then you get to make the conscious decision on how to deal with that new information. That to me is what's really truly amazing around um, what Eliza and, and everyone else, you know, what all you guys have helped to set up with the Hacking Society. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. And Helen, you know, I'm really pleased that you've been told off for being too modest because that would suggest that there, there is greater support than perhaps there was 10, 20 years ago for women actually standing up and taking credit for these things. It means you've got a great support yeah. network, which is super I have to cool. say, it's yeah. one of the things that I love about the cybersecurity industry is that th there is support there. There's always signposting if nobody has the answer. And yeah, there might be a little bit of drama and infosec, but at the same time, they're a solid community that actually want to advance skills and people. Um, so I, I, I love it. And, and it kind of brings us on to that decrypting diversity piece is that a mm. i was just thinking the same thing yeah no that was <laughs> i was just thinking the same thing so no i think that was a brilliant uh, segue um <laughs> yes I, I very much enjoyed how smooth that was <laughs> let's talk about it some more to make it even more smooth <laughs> <laughs> Love it. thank you yeah so so kpmg and the ncsc uh have done a report for the first time uh, and I think it's great that we have a benchmark that we can now move forward. And it's about decrypting diversity. There will be a link in the show notes, um, listeners, um, so you can have a good look through it. Um, I mean, the, 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 it, was, it looks at about 1,200, about 1,200, 1,300 people in the cybersecurity sector. And it asked them a number of questions about their diversity and their experiences. Um, about 66% were male and about 31% were female, and the remaining 4% identified as something different to that. Um, and it, it really spoke about a... For me, my takeaways from it was that there's still things to do. We actually have slightly better representation than other industries, but it's this whole... Um, in, it's the inclusion element and discrimination element that's actually a big problem. So... When incidents do happen, incidents aren't necessarily reported. So therefore, if there's not, if there's no way for us to redress things that are a problem, then it means that they actually quoted nine percent of the people who were actually thinking about leaving the industry, and all, we see all these other news reports about how there's so many skills gaps within within the marketplace. Mm. So can we really afford to lose, you know, a ten percent representation? Of the workforce due to this so i think my question really around this is actually how do we encourage more incident reporting if ever mm. something happens and how can businesses and companies and work environments actually be more supportive of that process and around the incident uh, the context here is is it still a cyber breach or is it more no, is it that's, a really good, that's a really good point dd and when i'm talking in the context of diversity inclusion it, an incident could be you know a, a comment or an action that you know, might make you feel uncomfortable or you know could be derogatory you know something that makes um something that discriminates against you yeah, in, in the context of this report, right? So yeah. incidents of discrimination, yes. basically. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, I, I was fascinated by that as well, because the um, number that really surprised me was that percentage around uh, numbers of incidents that were not reported over the last year. Mm, yeah. And I was really surprised, and I'll, I'll go ahead and share that number now, but it's 74%. And that yeah. really surprised me. Um, I, yeah, I just immediately started, you know, had all these questions. Is that, um, is it because of the type of incident? Is it because of lack of support in the environment? Is it because, you know, there was a lack of clarification around how to, you know, raise up an incident? What, and um, I just was, was so surprised by that figure. So, do you know, I'm not 
totally surprised by that. And I don't know if that's because I've worked on crime types where there's massive underreporting, mm, right? So, yeah. um, but but for me, I wonder if there is actually a, a, a link here between people not reporting incidents at work and what we've just been talking about in terms of expectations that you will conform to a role. Because essentially what you're doing when you report an incident, particularly I would say, well, I can only speak from experience of being a woman who reports an incident of incidents of sexism, right? So if you're doing that by reporting, by that very act, you are not conforming to type because you're speaking out. You're not just keeping quiet and doing what's expected of you and being nice and smiling at your desk. You're actually standing up for the first time, perhaps, and saying, do you know what? I'm not going to take this anymore. And, and this is what I want to happen. And here's why I'm not going to accept the current situation I'm in. Be it, you know, situations that I've been in, like, why am I not being paid the same amount, at least, as the boss whose work I'm doing? You know, and, and those situations, as soon as you speak out, there is a risk that you will become the problem. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's a huge thing that discourages incident reporting. There is always that feeling, that inhibitor that says to you, if I just keep my head down, things will improve. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I am the problem and maybe I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to get retaliation. Um, this is going to be worse for me if I report. So one, so I think, it, you know, one of the major headlines for me here or one of the major takeaways of this report is, to some extent, you need to change the culture in an organization enough that people feel comfortable about reporting, that people feel supported by HR, that they will be taken seriously, that they won't be punished yeah. for speaking out. But what have you, Vic, or any, any of you, right? How, what if someone says to you, who does HR work for? What's the answer that you know? A HR person told me that. HR person works so, for the company. That right there to me is the basis of the entire problem. And well, okay, maybe yeah. a huge part of the problem. Until we change that perception that HR truly is about encouraging, enabling, and supporting the employee, whilst also obviously balancing the needs of the company. And I get it, right? That's a hard job. There's a reason I'm not in HR. I know that's a hard job. <laughs> But until we change that perception, and even like you said, Helen, HR themselves, you know, aren't going around saying, look, I work for the company. Um, I think we're going to continue to see this problem. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, yeah. that, it's that support of, you know, if I, if, I, if I raise an incident, then how are my colleagues going to treat me? How are they all going to, you know, are they going to support me? And does it create, you know, what kind of kind of issue does it create within the workplace um how how can companies actually find more positive ways to i don't know maybe mediate solutions or yeah. find ways to kind of uh, positively find uh, resolutions or training everybody gets bias lessons i don't know but i think but i think that's a huge issue if you can't if you can't report incidents safely then you can't you can't help people learn to change or learn to adapt or think about doing things differently. Yeah. I've... I'm thinking about this from a cyber perspective, because I'm, I'm working on a project at the moment where I'm looking at the future of cyber security, right? So we're looking at all of the emerging technological developments that are coming down the line, what AI could look like in 10 years time, for instance. And I can see how, um, you know, already we're getting solutions, aren't we, for AI interviews, yeah. uh, for recruitment and, and things like that. And I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how AI might be used in the next few years to get to the heart of a matter for HR. So if I think about some of the situations I've been in in my career, you know, um, I've been in situations where I knew that my truth was probably, you know, closer to the, the objective truth and that somebody was not telling the truth. So, you know, rather than it just being a he said, she said scenario, it will be really interesting to see if, if, if companies start to use AI to analyze those communications, for instance, or, you know, to analyze productivity and workflow in a way that 
actually allows us to sort out what's really going on in grievance situations. Now, look, that could be misused yeah. as well, right? That could be gamed as oh, well. Oh, I started to say, look, AI just did so well with all the A-level results. Yeah, let's turn know, it loose right? on that. Why not? <laughs> I'm so angry. And I really felt for the youngsters. I really did. I was so yeah. angry. Yeah. Like, yeah. What a time. Well, talk about bias, though, right? And I know, Vic, this is close to your heart. I won't go too off in the weeds because I know it's off topic a bit. But but that mm. that's, the, that's the perfect indication yeah. of where the problem um, uh, pops its head up in the solutions that we're producing is, is yeah. that information, that bias being built by people going into those AI tools and then producing, oh, this is an unexpected result. Is it, Bob? Exactly. Is it really unexpected? <laughs> Oh, Bob. He gets a lot of slack. I got so it? angry because I'm like, here's this really clever algorithm that completely missed and misrepresented a huge area of population and what the impact yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, there's people that have a socioeconomic background that's less than we factored in that might have something to do with their ability to study and make grades and therefore impact their results. What? Yeah. Don't talk that crazy talk. Much better that, that, that they had a positive outcome, I think. But honestly, caused a bedlam for the uh, universities, well, though, didn't it? Well, anyway. and back back to your report, it was one of the things, again, that um, I thought was um, nice of them to, to really show statistically was the um, demographics who experienced the negative incident types. And then they went mm. through and they, they um, broke it down by the five types. So they went from sexual orientation, gender identity, um, the uh, ethnicity and socioeconomic background. And yeah, it was basically like across the board, you know, where you are a gay person who identifies as female or non-binary, you know, your ethnicity is non-white basically, and your socioeconomic background is, you know, not in the high bracket, then yeah, you're going to run into more of these types of incidents within the workplace. Um, so, yeah, we still have a long way to go across the board. I mean, the, these numbers have got to change. But also I loved the in the discrimination discrimination piece. I loved the focus on career yeah. barriers. There was from the start a recognition that people are dropping out of the industry. Yes. Um, and so it, that really resonated with me as someone who has had to, let's say, be quite creative about her career choices in order to stay in the area of cybersecurity, but not work for people that I no longer wanted to work mm. for. You know, to, uh, the highlight for me of, of the whole report was that 28% of all career barriers were identified as occasions where females had experienced a career barrier based on discrimination. Now that's quite an abstract, quite a qualified way of, of saying that the largest proportion of all of those career barriers that are, were identified affected women. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that, that was quite, it's, it's striking, but it didn't shock me entirely. Yeah. 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 I didn't, yeah. It didn't shock me either particularly. And this is, and this is the thing that, you know, you will have heard me say before and, and certainly Beck and I talk about it all the time on and off air is we talk about recruiting enough women into the industry and that's the diversity piece and that's really, really important. But we absolutely do not focus enough on keeping women yeah. in the industry. And I think also it's, I think it's, it, we can expand it. It's not just women. We want, we want all ethnicities as well and, and all, and all, oh, yeah, all genders too. So, so it's the full spectrum of diversity, I think. Yeah. And the, the, the one, the one bit that kind of, worried me a little bit about the report was the number which was on page 87 seven percent of the respondents see diversity and inclusion sorry my cats have just walked in so if you just heard some bells <laughs> oh no but it's lovely it was lovely i thought oh <laughs> sorry i'm about to climb over everything hopefully they don't turn the recording off but um seven <laughs> percent see diversity and inclusion as a threat to their own career progression so that's nearly mm. as much as the people who are looking to leave the industry. Um, mm. And mm. one of them I can quite say, I missed out on a promotion as hiring wanted a woman on the leadership team to improve diversity. So, so they believe that it is tokenism that's preventing their progression. And then there was another one that said, positive discrimination towards ethnic diversity has excluded me from moving forwards. 
So I think I think that I think there's a couple of challenges. Uh, one is how to make it. I mean, Dee Dee was talking about this as well. How to make everything accessible, full diversity for everyone, and also finding ways in which we can responsibly and safely and positively disclose when incidents happen and try and teach, try and make them into learning moments so that yes. change can happen. And transparency is really important in all of that because, you know, what you were just mentioning there about people who feel that their careers have been impacted by um, diversity measures, right? Um, you know, we need to bring those yeah. people with us we don't want, we've seen at the moment, gosh, how fear can make people believe all sorts of things. And, and it can actually be quite dangerous and not just upsetting and harmful for them. But, you know, we don't want people in a workplace or people in society in general who are, have got, you know, grudges, really. Um, and so, you know, we actually need the, the, to, be, to communicate transparently as possible with the people who feel that they are being impacted by change as well. Completely yes. Agree. Completely agree. Thank yeah, you. no, I, no, ditto. Yeah. I, um, just to add to that. So whenever um, I had worked with um, uh, originally the other ladies from a couple of other startups and we had set up the WEDS group and that group started off as we empower, sorry, women empowering diversity in startups. And it was for the exact reason that you're talking about that after, I don't know, a period of months, we said, you know, this is it, it obviously started by women and, and still the co-founders are all women. But we said, you know, this is about more than just women. You know, we, we realize that there is a place and there is a, a need, obviously, for everyone. And we want this to be an inclusive organization. And so we decided to tweak the message and we changed it from women to we. So we empower diversity in startups. And, and for yeah, the exact reason that you're talking about, you know, the environment, the best environment is an environment that is inclusive of all and gives everyone... Mm -hmm an equitable shot at, you know, doing the job, um, taking the project, you know, advancing whatever the task, whatever it is, um, it, it's creating the solution where you get that equal opportunity is the part that requires a bit more work and effort. And it's trying to train up and, and help each other and teach each other around, hey, how do we make this equal for everyone? Yeah. You know, how do I make this opportunity feel just as in reach of someone who came from, you know, a private school, a boarding school, a prep school, you know, all the support, all the money, all the computers, all the labs, all the material, all the clothes, all the food, all of the everything versus the person who, you know, perhaps only made it to school as often as they could, you know, only maybe had one meal a day, you know, had to fight and claw their way and work their way through a place at, you know, whatever the best tech college was. And how do you make then and create that sense of you both have an equal shot at this opportunity. And that's where we have to do the real work. And that's what this is mm. about across the board. And that's why HR as well has to continue to evolve because they should be out there helping the employee along that path. And I think I've met, I mean, so in the last few years in particular, I've worked with, you know, and, and been super fortunate to, to um, it, it, <laughs> experience some amazing HR people. I mean, I'll give a shout out right now. Sophie Bryant, you're amazing. I worked with Sophie when I was at Digital Shadows. Um, she's now moved on. She's, I think, uh, Creative Assembly, I think is the name of where she is now. But um, yeah, perfect. You know, I know you guys want to talk about people that are heroes, you know, that don't necessarily get those call outs very often. Sophie Bryant is a hero to me and she always will be because she was that kind of HR person. Fabulous. Go on, Dee Dee. Go on. That is a good segue to our <laughs> last question. It, it's not a great segue if you keep calling out the segues. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine with it. I'm, Beck's just a little bit uncharitable sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, almost we're uh, coming to a close almost but we do want to hear about your heroes in the cybersecurity space or any uh, any type of heroes you have in your life as as the women go on back yeah well so definitely i mean i called out sophie well, i give kudos to her all day every day um, I, I, someone I was thinking of when you guys mentioned this, there's a woman, the very um, first woman boss that I ever had 
actually, wait just a darn minute. The only woman boss I've ever had so far. The only woman boss I've ever had. And uh, a lady by the name of Mignon Cote, which is uh, just an amazing, phenomenal person. She's an amazing person. But she um, hired me, was my boss, many, many, many years ago. And when she hired me, she told me, she said, you are immensely underpaid and I'm going to fix that. And she hired me and gave me a $30,000 raise. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's that's how underpaid I was. Do you know how many um, direct applications she's now going to get? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, like I said, this was tw- almost 20 years, 15 years ago. Um, so, yeah, she she her career has just skyrocketed, obviously, since then, because she's, you know, such an amazing individual herself. But, yeah, it, it's people like that that have really stood out for me. I've been super fortunate to meet and, and work alongside some amazing and, and phenomenal women. Um, <clears throat> I worked with, a, a, again, an, another lady. Um, oh, no. See, this is what's happened now. I've just blanked at her name. I've thought of it. Her name's come and gone. It'll come back to me. But a lady that when I worked at Verizon and um, I wanted to go to the Executive Women's Forum. And, uh, oh, Maggie Mansorkia. She's married now. I'll have to look up her married name. But um, and she was um, legal counsel, I think. She was considered an executive, and I was not. And I was told I could go to the Executive Women's Forum for Security and Privacy and Risk Women um, if I had a sponsor. And I just randomly reached out to her, and, and she agreed to sponsor me. And that that completely pivoted my career and my thought process. That, that was like the hacking society for me at that point in time yes. in my career, basically. So yeah, women like that who have taken the time and who have just done that nice thing and, and what felt like a, a life-changing thing for me, definitely. Wow. I'm just thinking about whether we can, uh, if there isn't already an event called Risky Women, <laughs> I, think, I think we might need to have I like that. I second it. Risky women for women in risk. Um, is it my turn? Because I'm I'm quite excited about this. Um, so um, I would like to highlight somebody who you don't necessarily hear about in UK and US circles. Um, and it, it just a reminder, really, that there are lots of women out there doing cyber in other languages in other countries. Um, so my um, cyber hero and um, to to some extent a mentor who helped me when I had to make some tricky career decisions um, is Ellie van den Hervel, which is H-E-U-V-E-L. She is the head of the Dutch Cyber Security Council. But interestingly, she set up the Dutch Dutch National Cybercrime, Cyber Security Centre, sorry, in 2008, she was the first di- first director, not first female di- director, first director of the National Cybersecurity Centre in The Hague. So we think of the NCSC in the UK as being this big, new, amazing thing. The Dutch had done it, you know, um, 12 years ago and they had a female director. So she's super cool. Um, but I also wanted to highlight a group of people. So coming from a law enforcement background, coming from having worked in a social media company where you've got thousands and thousands of people working away on safety issues, on cybercrime, on site integrity, on counter-terrorism, on, you know, child exploitation. There are loads of women working in law enforcement right now, working in government agencies, working in the security services, working for the tech companies who you know, for, for obvious reasons, aren't allowed to talk about what they do on social media. So they are not Twitter stars. They're not LinkedIn. Yeah. They're, not, they're not sharing mm. stuff. And for that very reason, they're a little bit invisible. But they are, they are keeping entire communities safe as we speak. And I know this because, you know, when I was in law enforcement, I wasn't allowed to tweet about what I was doing. When I was working for Facebook, I wasn't allowed to you know, tweet and share what I was doing. Um, I I wish we could somehow find a way of sharing their power without having to expose their identities more than they yeah. would like. But just a reminder to everybody, there's thousands uh, of yeah. them out there. Thank you very much. Shall I go next? I'll... So I have lots of heroes and I get inspired with, by so many people. So I'm just going to focus on my latest hero. 
<laughs> and she's Kirsten Breger. And I first came across her as um, she did the Diana Initiative keynote um, um, in August, or was it September? I'm confused. Anyway, um, and then I heard her again in the Tribe of Hackers podcast by Way Redacted. And she just opened my eyes to some of my biases I was talking about. And she's a woman of color and she looks so young, but the amount of experience um, and knowledge she has is just, and her attitude is really, really amazing and inspiring. She's a true activist and well, she certainly activated something in me. Um, so yeah, go check, check her out. We'll, we'll put all of these people in the show notes so that we can try and find them on LinkedIn or Twitter if they would, if they would <laughs> like to be. <laughs> anyway, maybe, maybe not the unsung heroes that Bix was just mentioning, but, um, I was going to say that can rapidly turn into an OC exercise, can't <laughs> no, it, no, trying no. to track them down. And actually, that's another perfect segue there, Cyberbanes, because mine, oh, my, my cyberheroes, because <laughs> I'm really into OSINT and the human factor of things, so actually my cyberheroes, the ones that have actually really got me interested, I'm kind of a second career person, if you like, coming into cyber, but getting more technical. Um so I'm kind of discovering all the free and open resources that are out there. And my, my favourite at the moment is a team of people, a group like you chose, called Ossint Curious. Because they're a really wicked mix mm. of, uh, of people from all over the globe. Um, Ray Baker, Technoset, Nick Sintel, Dutch Ossint guy, Laurent Bodo, he's one of my favourites. Um, and uh, you can, I've come across them through Trace Labs, um cybersex stew mm -hmm. joe gray you know there's loads of people who just offer free help around austin and how to get your skills up it's absolutely fabulous and and i think my favorites for human factor security uh jenny radcliffe and her podcast uh human factor security mm. a little bit kiss ass here vix i'm afraid you i, I can't wait till you finish your book <laughs> I've got I've got my embarrassed face on, and as my friends will tell you, it's not very often that I'm a little bit embarrassed and blushing about my own prowess. But thank you very much indeed. That's uh, that's that's huge. Thank you. Well, yeah. So now I've actually got to start worrying yeah. about finishing the book. Dead deadline end of November. No pressure. Maybe, maybe you could sign one for me. That would be awesome. <laughs> Oh, Helen, stop. I'm never going to get her head through the door <laughs> in our next podcast. It's about time we had something to, other to go. talk about than, you know, someone being seasoned. But yeah, so I think that, that was my, that, those are my bits. So human factor, the, uh, you, and then also Lisa Forte. Is it Forte or Fort? You're, you're mates with Lisa, aren't you, Becky? How do you pronounce it? I don't surname? know. But, forte. I, well, I say Forte, but, you know, I have no idea. She's never told me. So go. I'm either saying it right or she's just, oh, you know, so giving good. me the benefit of being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the fabulous, fabulous resources to look out for if that's the kind of stuff that you're that you're into. But those are my current cyber heroes as well, which is really cool. So it's wicked. Well, hopefully that's been fun. I think we're coming up to time, really. Yeah, I've really enjoyed. Well, it's been brilliant. Yeah, thank you. I've I've had a lovely time, but I feel like we've somewhat, well, you know, no. imposed on you with our own no. brand nonsense. <laughs> we've done we It was great. I I really liked it. Um, so thank you very much for coming on. Um, I'm going to wrap up now, and then I'm going to shamelessly pass to Dee so that she can plug our next events that are coming up. Oh, actually, on. before you do. Um, we've got to try and plug the podcast. You wrote podcast to say the, if if you like more of <laughs> Beck and I verbally abusing each other, then all you need to do is find Cyber Warrior Princess on Apple Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud as well. We're not on Spotify because they charge you quite a lot of money. Um, but um, you can also find us on Twitter, obviously. Cyber Warrior PR1. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, well? Sure. It's pretty easy to find. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. Helen knows it. Thank goodness. Thank you. There will be a link in the show <laughs> notes. 
<laughs> you are amazing. Thank, Thank you. you both. Thank you so much. So uh, let's go through some events we have in October uh, with the Ladies Hacking Society. It's quite a busy month this month. Um, on the 13th, um, on Ada Lovelace, uh, Lovelace Day, our Northeast London and Northeast Ladies Hacking Society will be hosting an event. On the 22nd, and we have another event. It's a collaboration with Sinam uh, between our um, ladies of Cheltenham Hacking Society. On the 29th, we are hosting uh, the first uh, piece of a three-piece workshop on Android apps hacking. And between the 31st and the 1st of November, uh, we have a CTF with Hack the Box. Yeah going to be epic cool it's a it's lot there's a lot going on and we're, we're that's amazing we're virtual until 2021 so yeah. it doesn't matter if if you don't live in the northeast or Cheltenham or London or Norwich you can still get online and join in as well which is quite good and we will be posting all the links to our meetup pages and our twitter uh, in the show notes as well yeah so there we go and any more shameless plugs anybody <laughs> um, I, I, yes. I, I think, thank you very much. I'd love to be able to to contribute to this section. Um, so I, I always like to, anytime I get a chance, I always like to mention the versus racism um page that's out there. So versusracism.com, uh, all fully spelt out versus racism. Um, so this is um something that I uh, started up a couple of months ago with um FC and Jessica Barker and and Kujal Tana and and Oz Alashe. Um, if you're familiar with any of those amazing yeah. individuals. And basically, um, you know, we all came together because we felt um, so strongly that as a community, you know, we wanted to try and do anything and everything that we could um, to help influence and um, try to educate and encourage um, our BAME brothers and sisters in the industry and to encourage others to, to help as well and to raise their voices and, and you know, um, contribute as well. So yeah, please check out that site. Um, we are going to be in the next few weeks as well. We're going to have a LinkedIn group that we're going to start to um, uh, promote and put out there. So we're just continuing to try and trickle some things um, out there. But yeah, it's something that we're all committed to. And um, yeah, please come and, and support us and help support those others um, uh, of this community. I think every they appreciate it and it, it makes us stronger to be inclusive and, and to have everyone along on the journey with us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I look forward to looking out for that. Right, ladies, um, it's, uh, it's it's time to, you know, get a cup of tea and maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Good night, I think is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Man, that's been that's been absolutely lovely. Thank you so much for thank having us. Thank you very much for coming on. on. Good night, Dee Dee. Yeah, thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, bye. Bye. Good night. Bye. bye.